We have made our way now through the entire book of Acts. We have not necessarily covered every single verse or every word of every single verse, but we have looked at the majority of it. I don't even honestly remember the first time we spoke from the book of Acts this time through. I think maybe we have gone through it years and years and many years ago. What we have, what we have continued to discover is something about the Apostle Paul That's really more of a summary message that God has laid on my heart today. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's let's look back at Acts chapter 23, though, for just a minute. Acts chapter 23. We're We're going to look at a promise that God gave to the Apostle Paul that was finally fulfilled in Acts chapter 28. Acts 23, if you have your Bible, and look at verse number 11. Verse number 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at where? Rome. This is the promise that Paul received from the Lord. Paul, you've been preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. Paul, you've had three missionary journeys. Paul, you've helped establish churches from here and there and here and there. But I have a, I have a purpose for you, and that purpose is you are going to go to Rome. You are going to, I'm going to send you to Rome with this message. In our first verse that we read a few moments ago, Acts 28, so let's go back to Acts 28. Acts 28, look at verse number 16. And it says, and when we came to where? Rome. And so you can connect Acts 28.16 with Acts 23.11, and you can see for yourself, and it helps us see for ourselves, that God's promises always are fulfilled. He always fulfills His promises. Just like a promise in that... um, in John 14, in John 14, when Jesus said, I will come again, that means he will come again. When is he coming? I don't know. I don't know. No one knows. The Bible tells us that. But there are so many promises in the Bible that have already been fulfilled that we can surely put our faith and trust in the promises in the Bible that have yet to be fulfilled. And in fact, as we've studied the life of Paul, we've noticed that this promise in Acts 23, 11, was not without challenges. Paul, you're going to make it to Rome. Well, Paul arrives in Rome, but he didn't arrive on a a cruise ship, did he? He arrived on a board, floating on the, floating, or or that was on the island, excuse me. He arrived on 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 a vest sailing vessel, but he arrived in shackles. He was a prisoner. He he arrived in in Rome um, having gone through a shipwreck. That was Melita, that was last week. He arrived in Rome uh, having his life had been threatened time and time again. So uh, the promises of God will be fulfilled, but they're not always, they don't come, they come with opposition though. But didn't, didn't you like that statement at the end of verse 31, the last statement of the book of Acts? You see what it says? No man forbidding him. To me, that's a very powerful statement to meditate on. No man forbidding him. You see, God wanted Paul in Rome. No man is going to forbid him from being in Rome. 
God wants His gospel preached, and no man can forbid His gospel from being preached. And God wants His gospel to be preached. We're going to see that anew and afresh even this morning as we go through this. Paul wanted to preach the gospel. God wanted Paul to preach the gospel. It was in this next two years, the Bible says, that he dwelt two whole years. Verse 30. Verse 30. Paul dwelt two whole years. Now, some commentators believe, and we don't know this because the Bible doesn't really tell us clearly, that the Apostle Paul was released, and then he was re-brought into prison again, and then he was martyred. Some people believe that he was martyred at this time, eventually in this time, and he wasn't released I don't really know which one I think those are right. I just know that he did end up losing his life in Rome. Okay? But notice what it says here. uh, Excuse me. um, But while he was in prison, this is when he wrote the prison epistles, of which you have in your Bible right there, uh, like uh, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. These were written. This is the time that God used him to write them, and even the letter uh, the, written to Philemon. And so even while he was there, uh, God was using him in a great and mighty way. And we're, we're going to talk more about that. Notice it says here in verse 16 that Paul was given preferential treatment. He was suffered to dwell by himself. He didn't have to go to the regular uh, prison, if you will, because as we've learned, he was a Roman citizen. And so he was given some form of preferential treatment. He, treatment. he was allowed to reside under house arrest more than being in a prison, and that would give Paul the opportunity, and this is our theme this morning, to continue to deliver the truth. What, what, what do we remember about Paul when he would go into cities most of the time? Where would he go first? To the synagogue. He would go there first, and he would begin to reason with the Jews out of the scriptures and out of the, the, uh, the, uh, the law and the prophets, and he would begin to do that. Well, he doesn't have this opportunity in Rome. In fact, many believe there wasn't one to go to. So what does he do? Let's see what the Bible says here. In verse 17, the Bible says, And it came to pass that after three days, it only took three days, what's he do? He calls, he sends word to the chief of the Jews to bring them together where he was. Verse 17, And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing, and he, and he begins to tell them his story. We're not going to re, 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 re-talk about his story. The point I want to, to get at here is that, yes, he, he's, there is no synagogue. Yes, he's under house arrest. But what is he thinking about? What is his objective? Uh, we read Romans 10.1 just a moment ago, and there's a great purpose for that, and we're going to emphasize that throughout the message. What is his desire? His desire is that people would hear the truth. Romans 10.1, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And I really want that word, and I know for me, uh, to be, uh, that word to be um, burnt deep into my soul and heart. Desire. What do we desire today? There's no question to me that Paul desired to deliver the truth. Let's look at some examples quickly. Now, you're going to have to walk fast with me. But let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Just going to read just quickly, emphasizing the desire that Paul had to deliver the truth. Acts 9, verse number 20. 
And straightway, straightway, you know what that means? Right away. He got right to it. Can I submit to you today, we don't have time to waste. I've wasted enough time. I'm going to be 49 years old in June. I've wasted enough time. Straightway. We've got to get to it. We've got to try to redeem the time because the days are evil. We'll look at it in a minute. The Bible says in John chapter 4 that uh, the, 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 the harvest is already ready. So straightway, he preached who? Christ. You see it there? He preached Christ. Where did he preach Christ? In the synagogues. That he is who? The Son of God. Do you know today the message is still the same as it was in Paul's day in the synagogue? The message is still the same. We need to preach to this world in we, that we live in that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He is the Savior of the world. The message is still exactly the same. If, if you're going to go to heaven when you die, you're going to go to heaven through Christ. You're not going to go to heaven through the church. You're not going to go to heaven through your connection with this, with this universe whatever that means. You're not going to go to heaven through the baptismal tank. You're not going to go to heaven because you're a good boy or a good girl. There is none good, no, not one. You're going to go to heaven through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. These aren't my words. These are God's words. Tonight we'll study it even more out, the existence of a holy God. And He is a holy God, and His wrath must be satisfied. I'm so thankful that the wrath of God was satisfied when the Lord Jesus Christ shed His precious blood for our sin. And God, right in the middle of the day, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, God turned His back on His precious Son, and immediately the lights went out there on on Golgotha's hill. And the, the wrath of God was poured out on His Son so that you and I would never have to experience the wrath of God. He became the wrath. He took the wrath of God for us. Think about that. I'm a sinner saved by grace, the song said. I deserve the wrath of God. The Bible makes it clear that God poured out His wrath on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the message is urgent. The message must be given. Look at verse 29. Acts 9.29 And He spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay Him. You know, the message of the gospel was not received by everyone in Paul's day. You know, the message of the gospel is not going to be received by everyone in our day. But it's not our job to determine who's going to receive it or reject it. It's our job as born-again Christians, if you're saved today, it is our responsibility to go with the boldness of the Lord Jesus Christ and to go with the compassion, by the way, to go with the love of God, speaking the truth in love. It's not a message of condemnation. Jesus Christ came to give redemption. Jesus Christ came to make us whole. Jesus Christ came to set us free. What a message we have. This is not a message of doom and gloom. We have a message of hope. We have a message of peace. The peace of God that passeth all understanding, that keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So Paul was preaching. Not everyone liked it. By the way, not everyone's going to like it today. It may come to the point in Canada that our lives are threatened by preaching the truth. There are people in the world today, their lives are threatened in countries in this world today for preaching the truth. Why do you think we have to say Eurasia? That's because that family's in a country that's not, uh, not, um, they're, not very, they're not too conducive to the truth. It's a very Muslim country where they're serving. 
And uh, that's why we have to be very careful. Why? Because not everyone wants to hear about the truth. I'm not picking on Muslims. I'm just saying. Paul met with uh, aggression by the Grecians. Don't think everybody is going to just fall over and say, yes, that's what I want. Some people don't want the truth. We go to them with the love of God, the burden. Remember, my desire. My desire. Paul said, it's my heart's desire. I wonder what your heart's desire is this morning. What is your heart's desire? A bigger house? A nicer car? Nothing wrong with things, okay? As long as things don't have you and things don't have me. And I wonder sometime if my desires that I have are not necessarily the desires that I should have. I desire to be successful. I desire to do this or do that. And there's nothing, again, I'm not mentioning things to say we, don't, we can't desire them. But what is our greatest desire? May it be to honor the Lord and do His will for our life. And I must submit that it must be, part of it must be, the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, that's my desire. Turn over to Acts 13. Acts 13, the Bible says here in verse number 14, when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue, there it is again, on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. What an opportunity. If you have anything to say, speak up. Well, Paul was never short of words, was he? He says, if you're going to invite me to speak, fine. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people where, uh, when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and with an high arm brought he them out. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot, and he continues to preach and give them a history lesson, doesn't he? And we're not going to read through all of that today. Skip down, if you will, uh, verse number 30. But God raised him from the dead. Who are they talking about there? Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 37, but he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. What a blessing! Justified of all things. You know what that word justification means? Just as if I've never even been a sinner. Not just as if I've never sinned, just as if I've never been a sinner. How do, you, how do we know that? Because we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is given to us. And when you get his righteousness, we know that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So we take on a brand new robe of righteousness. The Bible says in verse 42, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They said, we want to hear more of this. We want to hear more of this. Oh, I wonder, do we have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God? Or, I mean, I'm not not picking on you at all today, okay? Or are we just, as soon as it's a certain time, we got to get going. We have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God that we say, God, give me more. 
God, I want more. Come back. He says, come back next week. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day, what happened? Came almost the whole city. Every time I read that verse, I just think about a whole city going to church. Think of it. Why did they come? Did they come to hear Paul? No. They came to hear the word of God. See it right there? To hear the word of God. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas wax bold, and on and on we could say. Turn over to chapter 16. Chapter 16. Verse 12, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. A certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. We see the first convert the beginning of the church at Philippi that Paul would write the book of Philippians two years later. The emphasis, though, of even taking the word of God to the ladies there down by the riverside. Speaking the truth. Same chapter, look at verse 23. When they had laid many stripes upon them. Why? Because they had commanded this unclean spirit out of a a lady. They tossed an unclean spirit out of a lady that was causing her master to make a lot of money. That was in the previous verses. The Bible says, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison. Paul continues to deliver the truth. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, verse 25, prayed and sang praises unto God. And this opened up an opportunity for them to witness to the Philippian jailer, and he would get saved and his house. They would all get reached with the gospel. Acts 17 to the Greeks in Athens. Acts 24 to Felix the governor. I know we've covered all this. I'm just trying to emphasize something. Romans 10.1, Romans 10.1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. My heart's desire. If we can go through the entire book of Acts as a church and not have a greater desire to reach the lost, I think we've missed something. I think, we've, I, don't think, I, don't, I think we do have a greater desire to reach the lost. That's what I'm saying. And we can thank God for it. We can thank God for it. Paul realized what I need to realize. Every person that I meet is either on their way to heaven or on their way to hell. Every person we meet, think of it. And you and I, as Christians, we have the opportunity to Show them the love of Christ. Can you think of a greater way to show the love of Christ than to, in in, in whatever way you possibly can, speak of Jesus? It may not be a 45-minute conversation. It might be a 45-second confrontation. But you have an opportunity to speak of Jesus or to give a gospel track. 
That's an opportunity to plant a gospel seed, to water a gospel seed, to bring forth fruit to the glory of God. This is what I see in the life of the Apostle Paul. Would you turn over to Romans chapter 9 quickly? Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Notice his heart. For I could, verse 3. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. He's saying, if I could give up my salvation, I would. For, for who? For my brethren. My kinsmen, according to the flesh. We are seeing a bit of the heart once again for the loss of the Apostle Paul. And then our verse this morning, verse 1 of chapter 10, it might be on the same page. Brethren, my heart's desire, my heart's desire. To me, this is a great lesson. What is the desire of the Apostle Paul? People be saved. Specifically, speaking of Israel, the Jewish nation. I believe we can take this verse and we can also think about our heart's desire. Do we have a heart, do we have a heart that desires this? And I believe many of us do. And what I, want, what I want for me personally, and I'm praying, is that my desire would grow. That my desire would not get cold. That I would not become apathetic. That I would not become, uh, if you will, inoculated with this world's way of living. Because I'm telling you, if we let this world and the philosophy of the world, even as a Christian, creep into our life too far, we are not going to have a desire for the lost. The world's allurements, they're pretty bright. The world's bright lights, if you will, or the, the draw of the world, it has so much to offer, but it's so temporary. I wonder today, what is our heart's desire? What is your heart's desire I want to encourage you, number one, and this isn't an outline, but I just want to encourage you, number one, to have a heart's desire that your family be saved. Would you, would you pray every day, if you're not already, would you pray every day that, that your family would be saved? First, the family would be anyone living inside the four walls of your home, that everyone that lives inside the four walls of that home would be saved. Even if they're younger and they don't understand the gospel, you should be praying for them and have a desire that they be saved. They might be older and they understand the gospel and they've yet to receive it. Continue to pray for them. Have a desire that your family be saved. And then you have extended family. Could be a husband, I mean, a, it could be an aunt or an uncle, it could be a, a nephew or a cousin, it could be grandchildren, it could be a, a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad. These are the extended family. And I'm not saying save from drowning or save from whatever, save from eternal damnation in hell. Have a heart's desire. You can't save them, I can't save them. Oh, but I can, have a, I can pray fervently for them. So I would submit to you, may God help us to have a greater desire. And I'm saying this because we've been following Paul everywhere he went. And everywhere he went, he spoke of Jesus. And everywhere he went, he said, look, I've got to tell you about Jesus Christ. I've got to tell you about how he changed my life on the road to Damascus. A religious man headed into a crisis eternity. And yet I had a confrontation with Jesus. I've got to tell you. Everywhere he went. That challenges me. None of us are any are Paul here today, but we have the same God. We have the same Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we have to be, you know, we're not better than anyone. That's not what we're saying. This is a way of humility, really. It's going to take humility to be a witness for Christ. 
Because really, most of the time, it's pride that keeps us from speaking of Jesus. Because we're concerned about what they're going to think, what they might say, that we hold back, that I hold back. What a lesson for us. Turn over to John 4 quickly. John 4, thank you for listening. I hope God is speaking to your heart. I know He's speaking to mine. And I want to I obey the Lord. I don't want to obey man, but I want to obey the Lord. And I hope that's what we desire today. These are not new verses. There is no new verse. I don't have any new revelation to give you. But look at John 4, verse 35, please. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. In other words, don't say, I'll be a witness for Christ in a little while. I'll be a witness for Christ when I know more of the Bible. Folks, all you got to know to be a witness for Christ is how you came to Christ. All you have to know to be a witness for Christ is to tell people what Jesus did for you. And if you don't know what Jesus did for you, I wonder, are you saved? Because I don't know how you can be saved and not know what Jesus did for you. And you don't have to have eloquent words. It can be very simple words. But we have a testimony. What I'm saying is we have a testimony. If we are born again, we have a testimony that God wants to use in a mighty way for his glory, not for our glory. And Jesus said, don't say it in four months, then cometh harvest. Let's keep looking at it. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. Lift up your eyes and look. They are white already. That word already is a word that challenges me. They're already. Not they will be ready. They're ready now. There's people that are ready now to hear your witness. There's people that are ready now to hear my testimony. There's people that are ready now to get one gospel track. There's people that are ready now to come to Christ. God is working in this world. You don't think that these last couple of years, are God just kind of thought, wow, I can't believe what's happening down there. No, this is all part of the plan of God. God is sovereign. God is doing what He is doing with one purpose in mind, to bring people to Himself. People stop thinking about everything else and thinking about eternity. It's a blessing to realize that we, we, are, we are not indestructible. We can be susceptible to a virus. We can be susceptible to cancer. We can be susceptible to whatever it may be. But God, in His infinite wisdom, has allowed us to be exposed to the truth of the gospel. And so He's saying there, and He's saying to me today, there's no time to delay. Like Paul, everywhere he went, the message was the same. Turn to Christ. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. I say unto you, look on the fields. For they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth... Look at the joint effort here. He that soweth and he that reapeth may what? Rejoice! The Bible says elsewhere that there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, right? When you got saved, you were one sinner that repented and got saved. And guess what happened? 
there was rejoicing in heaven. When I got saved, the same thing. And here it says that he that waters, or he that plants, and he that reaps, they both rejoice together. They say, praise the Lord for that, that, that missionary over there and the souls that got saved, South Africa, Brother Johnson. And when I read that, I was shouting and thinking, praise the Lord, we just prayed for you. And it, God had already done the work. People get saved here. People get saved abroad. There's great rejoicing. And I want to get in on that. Do you want to get in on that? I want to get in on the rejoicing. One soweth and another reapeth. One soweth and another reapeth. Praise the Lord. Let's go in our Bibles to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We're heading somewhere. When we get there, I'll let you know. 2 Peter, chapter 3. Why did Paul live this way? Why did Paul continue to deliver the truth? 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 9 says that God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. This is why Paul continued to, to deliver the truth, because he knew that God wanted the people in Rome to be saved. This is why we must continue to deliver the truth, because we see in the Scripture that God is not willing that anybody in Burnaby go to hell. Hell was never created for you, and hell was never created for me. It had a purpose of being created for the devil and his demons. But yet people have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are people in hell right now. We have at least one account in the Bible of a, of a rich man who was died and he was, and he was buried. And the Bible says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. The Bible speaks in Revelation that someday death and hell will be, will be, will be brought up for a moment and judgment will take place and then be cast in the lake of fire forever. What motivated Paul? What motivated Paul? The fact that he knew that God wanted everyone to be saved. By the way, that's what God still wants today. He wants all men to come to Christ. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What motivated Paul? What kept Paul delivering the truth time and time again? Shipwreck, beating, imprisonment, rejection by his own people, rejection by the Grecians, life threatened. He just kept delivering the truth. Really amazing. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. This might be the real, this might be the root cause of it, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Why would we deliver a message that we don't even know if the message is going to be received? Because we're not delivering the message really for them. We're delivering the message for the Lord. We're delivering the message for Christ. Yes, it's for them, but if it's only for them and they reject, guess what's going to be harder to do next time? Give the message because we don't like it. nobody likes rejection. We can put on a front as much as we want, but nobody likes to be rejected. 
But if we're giving the message because of the love of Christ, it's constraining us. It's bringing us to give that message one more time and one more time. And I must, I must admit, I must submit that Paul is obviously writing this particular text as well. How could Paul continue to deliver the truth? I believe the love of Christ constrained him to do it. May God help us to allow the love of Christ to constrain us as well. Turn back to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. Who will have all men to be saved. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Notice, the man Christ Jesus. Why did Paul continue to deliver the truth? Because there was only one man who could intercede on behalf of the people that God brought him to. And that man is still the same, the man Christ Jesus. The door of salvation is open to whosoever will. Therefore, we must reach out to all who come across our path. No one is beyond the reach of God's love. There might be someone in your life right now that you think this person getting saved, it's, it's, it's impossible. It seems impossible. And I say that there is no impossible case with God. Romans 10.1, brethren, my heart's desire. You know, when you desire something, you're going to try to figure out how to do it, aren't you? Every way possible. That can be a good thing, and it can sometimes be a not-so-good thing. That's why we need to make sure that our desires line up with God's Word. Do you know when you have a desire even to please God, you want to try to, we want to try to eliminate everything in our life that is displeasing to God. Why? Because the love of Christ constraineth us to do that. It isn't for fear and favor of man. It's because we fear God. We want to keep His commandments. No one is beyond the reach of God's love for sinners. Turn to Romans 10. Romans 10. We're almost done. Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Why did Paul continue to preach the truth? Why did Paul continue to deliver the truth? Because he knew this truth as well. For whosoever, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Look at, look at the five they's in that verse. Five times Paul uses the word they, speaking about lost people, unsaved people. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard. Why did Paul continue to deliver the truth? So they would have an opportunity to hear, which gives them an opportunity to believe, which gives them an opportunity to receive, which gives them an opportunity to be saved. And how shall they hear without a preacher? How should they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet 
You never thought anybody would say you have beautiful feet, did you? But if you're preaching the gospel, God says you have beautiful feet. You can just keep them under your socks, though. I'll take, we'll take God's word for it, right? And I'll keep mine under mine, too. I wrote down, God wants our feet. Isn't that something? I don't know where I heard. I don't know why somebody was preaching. And I wrote that down. God wants my feet. I know God wants every part of me, but God wants my feet because it says how beautiful are the feet of them. Because, you know, really, if our feet aren't surrendered to God, we'll never go, will we? Our feet are what take us where we need to go. Anyway, of them that preach the gospel of peace, notice, bring glad tidings of good things. Folks, when we go with the gospel, let's go with a smile. Let's go with the joy of the Lord. Why? We have good news. That is the gospel, right? The gospel is, can be said good news, but really the gospel is not just, don't just get, think good news. The gospel is Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We have good news. You can be forgiven. Hey, we have good news. You can have peace. We have good tidings, as he says there. Our last passage, let's turn to, and then we're going to summarize it. 2 Timothy 4. Many people believe that this could be the last of Paul's writings. That's why we're going there quickly. 2 Timothy 4. We do know that Paul was martyred. Notice what he says in the last last days of his life. Verse 6, writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He's referring, obviously, to his death. But we know as Christians that we only die once. Physical death. Obviously, we learned this morning in our Bible reading that um, Brother Enoch, what a journey that would be, huh? Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Noah walked with God. Elijah, he had an express chariot ride to heaven. We only have a couple of those in the Bible. But so Paul is saying, I know I'm going to I'm going to leave this world soon. Verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Three things I'd just like to give you quickly. Summary of the book of Acts and the life and ministry of Paul. Number one, about Paul's life. Number one, Paul stayed faithful in the word of God. He stayed faithful in the Word of God. I'm going to tell you right now, and this is not, this is based on biblical principle. If you don't have time in the Bible every day, you don't make time in the Bible every day, your walk with God, your Christian life is not going to be fruitful. You know, our Christian life is supposed to be fruitful. Not so we can say, look at my fruit, so we can bring honor and glory to the Lord. I believe Paul fought a good fight and finished his course and kept the faith because he had time in the Word of God. And it's evident because everywhere he went, what was he doing? He was getting out the Word of God. 
Paul stayed faithful in the word of God. Secondly, Paul stayed faithful to witness for God. Paul was like that Romans 10, which says, how can they hear without a preacher? Paul was a faithful faithful preacher of the word of God. He was faithful to witness for God. God has called all of us here today that know him to be a witness for him. God, help us to not be an a undercover Christian. God, help us to be a loving, boast, uh, uh, not boastful, a loving, bold witness for Christ. And then thirdly, lastly, Paul stayed faithful to the work of God. To the work of God. What does that mean? He went and helped all those churches. He got them started. He went back and visited them. He wrote these epistles. Obviously, he was, he was called of God to write a good portion of the New Testament, the Word of God. And you know what we need today? We need a group of Christians like here at Anchor Baptist Church. May God help me to be a better example of, of being faithful to the work of God. This is the work of God. This church is not the work of Pastor Turner. This is not the work of us as members. This is the work of God. And may God help us to be faithful and to say like Paul, uh, uh, I have finished my course, I've kept the faith. And at the last verse of Acts, it said, no man prevented it. Folks, we have in us the Holy Spirit of God. And we have the ability only through the Holy Spirit of God to do anything and everything that God wants done. And we continue to rely on him. May we take these lessons from this book and we incorporate them into our daily walk. Brethren, my heart's desire, prayer to God.